warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Now, usually over the last few weeks I'll be introducing Stephen at this point, but it's almost like introducing a special guest. He's back, it's Tony. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Lovely to see you. And you. You've been away a long, long time. Yes. Um, we're not going to go into too many details as to why. It wasn't prison. It wasn't prison, no. That was all above board and legal. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't prison. Um, and it's, it's really quite boring, actually, the reason why. It's just real life has got in the way, generally, hasn't it? So Yes, but I'm here with my Scandinavian love juice. What is it? What is it you're drinking today? Uh, I don't know. I'm not even going to try and say it. It's got pears on it. It's got pears on it. And it's from... from it's did from, you say you bought it from Ikea? Yeah, I did. I've been to Ikea today because I'm a cultured swine, you <laughs> So non-alcoholic something pear juice. From, yes, from Finland. with essence of meatballs <laughs> on the bottle, as you, as you can hear. There you go, shaking it for the benefit of the viewers. Good luck with that. I'm going to drink my lager. Um, been up to anything exciting since I last saw you, mate? Anything happening? Just work. Only work. It's nothing exciting. It's <laughs> it's just a pain in the arse, unfortunately. New job. New, another new job. Another new job. Um, so we like a new job. We keep it on our toes. We don't do anything over a year. Because I like a varied... <laughs> <laughs> I like a varied career. Is it right you're... Is it, you're working for, like, not actually the NHS, but it's, it's NHS-related? Yeah. Yeah, I remove all the nasty stuff from hospitals, in, including <laughs> ex-parts of people. So it's, it's a like, nice play of... <laughs> amputated limbs and... Limbs, limbs. yeah. Um... <laughs> 770 litres of blood, if you want a precise amount that I carry. So, um, so today's movie is quite apt, then, really, for your yeah, job. Yeah, I'll get first and. That's a very terrible pun, first oh, and. Yeah, you get, get a fair few of them in the back of the van, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't smell all that. <laughs> oh, it smells imagine. like you can imagine. No, it's not like a butcher's shop, please. Don't it, it's worse. Me. Oh, no. It's no, worse. No. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd say a butcher's shop mixed with a nursery's bin. <laughs> what nappy sounds y- yeah it's not great oh I hope they pay you a good money for it's it it's very good money and that's why I do it it's the only reason I've got no other interest but the money's great and the thing is as well it's, it's funny hours because us trying to get a time together to record at the moment St- Stephen and I are great we, we do 10.30 on a Sunday morning that seems to work for us yours Times are now all over the shop, aren't they? It's, it's, well, I used to be a Sunday morning 10.30 person. Well, that's how it all started. And this is now a sat- Saturday night at half past seven in the evening. Sitting in my front room, which is absolutely boiling. Uh, which is a rarity in itself that I'm actually here in yeah. person. It's normally over Skype. 
Yes. Uh, actually, apologies if the sound quality is a bit echoey. We've only got one microphone, so we're sharing it between us across a table. It should be okay. I mean, I listened back to a little test recording that I did, but if it sounds a little bit different, that's the reason why. And if you hear the waves of strays and the Medway towns in the background, <laughs> it's because we have to have the window open. We will die and the kit will just melt. It will yeah. just stop working. Well, it's... Make the most of it. I mean, we moan how cold this country is and winter and how miserable. I'll give it a few months. We'll be moaning how cold it is. We will be, yeah. And we can see our breath again like we did last year. We did last year, exactly. So let's make the most of it. I I personally don't mind it being too hot. I quite love it. So Today's movie I chose for you way, way back months ago, it seems. Um, (laughs) With the intention that it's another series that we're going to start working our way through. So it's the first of a, of a sequence. It's from the 50s. You literally just revealed to me off air that you had seen this before. I thought this might have been a first yeah, time. Yeah, I watch. thought it was a first time watch until I actually see it. And then I'll think, oh, yeah, no, actually, yeah, I have seen it. Very familiar film. Yeah. Very familiar faces. Let's take a little break, mate. We'll be back after this. It's Doctor in the House. Good morning, Sir Lancelot. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, sir. Not late, I hope. Not at all, sir. Hold on, my man. You must pursue me. You must pursue me. I suppose you've got another half dozen boring curious detectives today. Yes, sir. After last night, I feel like one myself. How about that gastrectomy I did yesterday? Not so well, sir. Oh. Pity. Great pity. Morning, sister. Good morning, Sir Lancelot. Everything ready? All ready, sir. Splendid. Now, you just lie still, old fellow. I'm just going to discuss your case with these uh, young doctors here. Take his pyjamas off, sister. You, examine his abdomen. <coughs> ah, take that grubby fist away. The first rule of diagnosis, gentlemen. Eyes first and most. Hands next and least and tongue not at all. Look! Have you looked? Yes, sir. See anything? No, sir. Very good. Carry on. Gently, man. Gently. You're not making bread. Don't forget to be a successful surgeon. You need the eye of a hawk, the heart of a lion, and the hands of a lady. You found it? Yes, sir. Well, what is it? A lump. Well, what do you make of it? Is it kidney? Is it spleen? Is it liver? Is it dangerous? No, don't worry, my good man. You won't understand our medical talk. Uh, You, what are we going to do about it? Um, Cut it out, man. Cut it out. Where shall we make the incision? Nothing like large enough. Keyhole surgery, damnable. Couldn't see anything. Like this. I don't worry, this is nothing whatever to do with you. Now, you. When we've cut through the skin, what's the first substance we shall find? Uh, subcutaneous fat, sir. Quite right. And then we come across the surgeon's worst enemy, which is what? Speak up, man! Blood, you numbskull! You cut a patient, he bleeds until the processes of nature form a clot and stop it. This interval is known scientifically as the bleeding time. You, what's the bleeding time? Uh, Ten past ten, sir. There we go, Tony. That's Doctor in the House from 1954. Directed by Ralph Thomas, starring Dirk Bogart, Muriel Pavlov, Kenneth Moore, Donald Sindon, Kay Kendall. There's hundreds of people in this, mate. James Robertson Justice, Donald Houston. 
and we're going to get a few in the Hall of Fame. We've got Jeffrey Keane, we've got Joan Sims, we've got Cyril Chamberlain. They're all in this. Let me give you a brief synopsis. Simon Sparrow, played by Dirk Bogart, begins medical school in London at St Swithin's Hospital and moves into an apartment with roommates Richard Grimsdyke, played by Kenneth Moore, Tony Benskin, played by Donald Sindon, and, and Taffy Evans, Donald Houston, a huge fan of rugby. A series of challenges and shenanigans take place during their next five years at medical school. Shenanigans. shenanigans. What a great word, <laughs> shenanigans. I'm reading this from the internet. Um, take place during their next five years at medical school, including unsuccessful dates with women and run-ins with a tough-as-nails chief surgeon, Sir Lancelot Spratt, James Robertson Justice. <sighs> okay, so you've seen this possibly a couple of times, you, re- you reckon, now? Yeah. Interestingly, I'm going, to, I'm going to bring this up right at the very beginning because I've got a very long history with this film. Right. But you said something to me the other day. When I lent you the copy of this and you watched it, and we were chatting on the phone, I think, a day or two after, you said to me, is it a comedy? I did. And I thought, my first thought is, well, of course it's a bloody comedy. But then I'm thinking, how old are you? 25. 25 now. For your generation, perhaps it doesn't seem as rip-roaringly funny as a comedy should be. Well, I thought about this, and you know, it's pretty much like how the first Carry On started. Yeah, very... It's very dry. Subtle, yeah, right? they're yeah. just testing the water sort of thing. Mm. But I just didn't find it as funny as, as a Carry On. on. Mm. Um, although a lot of the people that are in this should have been regulars... Yeah, in Carry On. Well, it's, uh, the director's Ralph Thomas, who's yeah. the Carry On director. So it's the, very Carry On S. Yeah, yeah, very much so. The only difference with this is based on a true story. Yeah, based on a true series of books by Richard Gordon. But yeah, you question the fact that it was actually a comedy. I'm trying to think what genre you actually thought it might have been. <sighs> I don't even know myself because I knew you was going to bring that question. Yeah, up. no, dude, I'm not. I'm not. You know. Um, Slating you for it. No, I'm no. I was querying the fact that I thought it was interesting the fact that you queried that it was actually a comedy. Whereas, first reaction for me is a comedy, it's a British comedy movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I knew there's a bit of falling around in it, obviously, from watching it, but it just, to me, just. Is it because it's too gentle? Is it a bit twee? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, and that was, like I said, when we started with the carry ons, that mm. was a problem with them first, because they were just dipping their toe in the water, weren't they? Yeah. We're not far after the war, it's all still a bit. A lot no. more comedies these days wouldn't sort of have the focusing on the love story and the other sort of side stories that we get, isn't it? You, I think your generation and the generation that's coming up want their comedies, comedies to be fast-paced, rip-roaring, sort of like visual comedy or even quite gross-out comedy or mm. something a bit edgy, you know, not this gentle Adult comedy, isn't it? It's general sort of yeah. like... It's, it's, it's the thing your nan would watch. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, of course. But of course, this was like box office number one in 1950s, you know. But it would have been edgy at the time. Was... Certainly, the what's the bleeding time yeah. line would have been... Well, it'd have been a, a mixture of like gasps and laughs, I think, when that line came out. And I dare say, it probably upset a few medical professionals of the way that they were acting on there, because it obviously didn't put them in a very good light. Well, it's probably very true because if you've read the books. Oh, yeah, it's probably very true, but it's what it's public perception, isn't it? And yeah. doing a film about it, it's not really great for them. No, no, but uh, I wonder if there was like a, a, a huge influx of applications for people to become doctors after seeing this. 
<laughs> don't know. <laughs> Just going along for the giggles, yeah. <laughs> My history of the film, I read the books very, very young. I was about 10 or 11. Mm. And I read this one first, being the first one, and I was hooked. And I went and bought, well, it was the library then, I went to the library and I got out all the others in sequence and read them. And they're brilliant. You know, it was it was about the time I discovered the Richard Gordon books. Was, there's hundreds now, but originally it was a set of about six, I think it started off with. And it was about the same time I sort of discovered the James Herriot, the All Creatures Great and Small books as well, the Met ones, mm. and the Gerald Durrell wildlife ones. You know, so there was a whole sequence of different authors that I was sort of studying at the time. But these ones I particularly liked because then when you could see the film version, and these would crop up quite often, on the TV, it was great because these were sometimes these was even prime time TV. These were put on at seven o'clock on a Wednesday night, you know, especially in the summer when there was nothing else on. And they were big, big movies. The whole set of movies were very, very popular. Mm. Um, Bogart stars in a fair few of them, but he even <laughs> at some point he becomes Leslie Phillips. I was about to say Leslie Phillips does make an appearance at some point, doesn't he? Well, he actually takes the starring role. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's probably where I'll remember it from, is the Leslie Phillips onwards, because I'm quite a fan of Leslie Phillips as it yeah. is. I think it's Doctor at Sea, I think, was that one, you know. And it's, it's easy to, like you say, compare them to a carry-on film, because of the way they're structured. Yeah. You've got five or six main characters having five or six different stories... A bit like Carry On Regardless or something like that, where you, you know, it focuses on each character and each of their little stories. This is almost the same, isn't it? Because you've got you've got the Casanova type, you've got the rugby player, you've got the brand new one in Dirt Bogart, you've got the Kenneth Moore character who is only there because if he stays studying... He, it's the money. He gets the money, basically. <laughs> he gets the inheritance. Um, so so we, we learn to... To follow each of their stories and, and and sort of become invested in them a wee bit. What was your what was your impression? I mean, this must be your first proper watch of it. So, what was your, your real first impressions on it today? I'd watch it again. Yeah, was my first impression really. Okay. I, I sort of it, I've been spoiled with carry ons. <laughs> That's the problem, and I'm trying to compare it too much to a carry on. Forget the carry ons, then, mate. Yeah, because it's, it's, a, it's a completely different beast. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what I was trying to do. Yeah. But whatever, I just it just ah, oh, this just ain't. What Especially like. when Joan Sims pops up. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult not to. Yeah, um, no, it wasn't a bad film. I just, for me, it just weren't all that. Okay, uh, I would. I would watch it again. I'm not, yeah. not writing it off completely. Are you looking forward to the others in the series? Yeah, because okay. I'm hoping it's going to be mm. again. Me comparing it to Carry On, mm. that it's going to progress. It progresses, but I don't think it gets better. <laughs> yeah. See, I remember briefly the ones with Leslie. I couldn't tell names, but I yeah, remember it with Leslie Phillips in. See, I think it's the main one I remember. Yeah, I think Bridget Bardot might have even have been in that one if I remember rightly. And I, I just think he's quite an infectious man for laughter. Anyway, Leslie Phillips, yeah. he's just a very funny, but like Norman Wisdom. Yeah, yeah, he's one of your favourites. He, he is. He is. So you could just look at him, you know, Sid James. Yeah. You so just, Dur- is it because he's Dirt Bogart then, because he's the suave, sort of like romantic type leading man. And he's not one of your main sort of like comedic actors because he wasn't really known for comedy, Dirt Bogart. Potentially. And I'm thinking as we go along, that might become a bit clearer to me. Yeah. Because it's only the first one. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it just it wasn't as exciting as I wanted it to be, unfortunately. Yeah, it is very not slow paced, but it just it just it just gambles along, does it? Just drifts yeah. along, um, telling the story it has to tell, and then amazingly, the story spread over five years. Yeah, you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, it tells the whole sequence of their education at St Swithin's. Let's have a little look down the cast list. Let's give you some prompts, mate, as to, to who's who and what was going on. Let's start with Dirk Bogart. Now, I've put on the screen for you, Tony, a list of the cast. Now, the first thing you said was, oh, my God, that name. Now, Dirk Bogart, obviously, was his stage name. Can you just read out on the screen if you can? So it's Sir Derek Jules Gaspard Ulrich Niven Van Den Bogard. 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 <laughs> was his real name. Incredibly, incredibly, it's just like a big sneeze. It's it's just it, you'd never fit that on a credit card, would you? No, <laughs> no. So I'm, I'm assuming from that name, he, he's not he wasn't native to England or his family was. Well, wasn't. obviously the Vandenbergians. Yes, they're probably Belgian or something. I don't know. Actually. Not from Surrey. <laughs> Honestly, don't know. I'm gonna have to have a little look at that. Surprisingly, this is his first appearance on Real Britannia. Considering right. what a massive British star he was, he would have appeared two or three months ago. Stephen and I recorded a, um, a review of the film called The Blue Lamp. Right. British early police drama, and it was his very early performance for him, and he plays the, like, the, the little little baddie in it, the little hoodlum, you know. I've lost that episode. Ah. First time ever in six years of, of podcasting, I've lost an episode. I cannot find it anywhere. So you've lost one, and we've also not recorded one. We've sat there for... <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Mm, that yeah. was a technical malfunction, though. wasn't... Yeah, no, it wasn't anything I did. No, no. <laughs> I might clear that up. Wasn't it Doctor No? I think it was, yeah. We, we tried recording about four times. Because I watched yeah. it in... Um, I think it was in Belgium, wasn't it? Without subtitles? Yeah. <laughs> Dutch. Du- I'm watching Dutch. That was it. And we had a really great chat about it. It's probably one of the better ones we've done. And then we realised that actually yeah, it wasn't recorded. something wasn't happening, was it? Yeah. No, that was a good one. Was it, it wasn't over Skype, was it? That one? No, no, it was face-to-face. You had to come around twice for that one. <laughs> okay, looking down that list, you've got Muriel Pavlov, who plays Joy Gibson. The main sort of love interest. The leading leading lady of the movie, yeah? Mm. Typical British actress of the era. You know, you'd probably see her in a few things in the 50s. Sadly, she only passed away earlier this year. Yeah, I've just seen that night for January. Is it there on there? She was 92. Blimey. Um, we're going to see her again. Doctor at Large, she appears in Reach for the Sky, the Kenneth Moore, Douglas Bader film. She's in there. She was married to an actor called Derek Farr. And we're going to see him in a few films in the future. But Derek Fire had a, had a bit part in the Dan Busters, but nobody will really remember. But Muriel Pavlov, your typical British leading lady of the time. Who's next down on that list? Donald Sinden. Now, he's playing Tony Benskin. Now, the sto- what's, the, what's the story? It starts off, Simon Sparrow, played by Dirk Bogard, is a year one medical student at St Swithin's, and pretty much the other three main students that he meets... Have all been kept back. All been kept back. Because they've all failed. And some longer than others. Yeah. Kenneth Moore in particular, for reasons which we sort of touched on earlier, and we'll you know, go into it a bit more in a minute. With Donald Sindon, uh, his character... How would you describe him? What was what was he like? Mm. Was he the Casanova? Was he the one that was always out to get the women? 
Yeah, but I'd also say that a bit about... You know what I'd have sort of feeling with Kenneth Moore, although he was settled down? See, no, I put, put him more as the one that was settled down, Kenneth Moore, yeah. I didn't get the, the thing that he was chasing women. I don't know, I was just, there's something about him. Although he had a missus, I was just always thought... <laughs> they couldn't trust him. Yeah, couldn't trust him. <laughs> oh, to be honest, when I was watching it, I was expecting him to be the one that would be playing behind the back. I really did. I was oh, expecting right. that to happen. But he, he gets quite a main... Well, do you think Kenneth Moore was a massive star? Yeah. All of these guys were... Donald Sind and Donald Houston, they were all quite fairly, you know, leading British actors at the time. So you've got Donald Sindon, but he's... I think he means well, doesn't he? He's, he's trying to study. He's, he's, you know, he wants to be a doctor. Yeah, but he's just badly influenced by the others. By the others, yeah. So he gets held back, you know, the same as all, all, all the other students. Next on the list is Kenneth Moore. Plays a character called Richard Grimsdyke, I believe, isn't it, mate? Yes, yes. Richard Grimsdyke. So go on there. So he's the more settled one romantically because he's got a fiance. Yeah. But... He's been held back about four or five years now. Intentionally. And why? What's what's the reason for? For his inheritance. I can't remember the figure. It was a lot of money. Basically, isn't it? He will get an annual sum of money to cover his studies. Yeah, uh, until he passes. Until he passes. And then that particular flow of money will stop. And it's from Agatha... I can't remember the name, can oh, you? Oh, I can't. He's, he's aunt or somebody, and, and every time they buy a drink, they toast her. Yeah. Agatha, Lord Grimsdake, Van Winkle. Oh, sorry, <laughs> yeah, <I> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Kenneth Moore. You've learned to like Kenneth Moore yes. quite a lot over the over the movies we've seen, haven't we? Because Reach for the Sky, and um, well, we haven't seen Reach for the Sky, but um, Night to Remember. Night to Remember, yeah. And then we did Admirable Crichton with Stephen, and we got a lot more coming up, you know. He's one of my favourites. The more I see of Kenneth Moore, the, the more I just... If I can say more in, in the sentence any more than I am at the moment, I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. I love Kenneth Moore. Did you notice... I don't know if it was me. Obviously, um, it wasn't Technicolor, but it was a bright colour movie. Mm. Did you notice how many of the leading characters, male and female, had red hair? No. Kenneth Moore, Muriel Pavlov, a couple of the others, but it was like shockingly red. No, I didn't. No, and I never knew Kenneth Moore to have that red hair colour. And was I'm wondering a... if a lot of them would die deliberately because it was a colour for movie. the film. Yeah. yeah. Go okay. back and have a little look after we finished and just look at like Kenneth Moore's hair, Donald Houston's, I think, uh, Muriel Pavlov's. Almost as a way to enhance the colour or not something. Not saying ginger, but they were like a reddish colour. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the only reason it really stood out was because of Kenneth Moore. I don't normally associate him with that colour hair. Hmm. Oh, right. Like a reddy blonde, almost. Okay. But yeah, Kenneth Moore, you know, he's there just plodding along, basically, because he just wants to not get on and just earn the money that his, his um, relative has bequeathed to him. But towards the end, obviously, he learns that there's more to life than money. And that's Stella. And that's Stella, his girlfriend. Now, which one was Stella? Was Suzanne Cloutier. Is that her? That's the one. She's a Canadian actress, isn't she, I believe? But she was playing a French lady in this. Yeah? Yeah. Stella, there we go, yes. Um, Was she a nurse? No, she's... I don't think she was. She was a housewife? No, I don't think she was a housewife. I I can't remember seeing her do anything. I can't remember now. I can't remember. I've seen this film so many times. (laughs) No, I don't think she was doing anything in it. Okay. Well, sticking with some of the female characters, the next one on the list. Kay Kendall. 
Kay Kendall plays Isabel Minster. Now. The posh bird. The posh bird. Take a look to your right on that bookcase. You see that ornament there? Yeah. Right. That was my mum's. And you're looking at the screen now, looking back, looking over, right? You're thinking the same, aren't you? Yeah. Doesn't that look like Kay Kendall? It does that ornament? Yeah. Right. My mum bought that 34 years ago. Right. And when I went round to visit her one day, it was there on the on the mantelpiece, you know. And I walked in and I went, oh, you got a new ornament. I went, bloody hell, mum, that looks just like Kay Kendall. And she went, I know, that's why I bought it. <laughs> one of my mum's favourite actresses. It's a lovely, and when my mum died, it's the only thing of hers that I took because we always used to call that Kay. That right, okay. Do you know anything about Kay Kendall? It's a very sad story. No. Right. Kay Kendall met... Rex Harrison, My Fair Lady, Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. Yeah. When they were filming uh, The Constant Husband, it was called, the year after the Doctor movie. All right. She met Rex Harrison on set. They got married about two years later. And pretty soon after, Rex Harrison learned from Kay Kendall's doctor that she had leukemia. Oh. And was dying. And... Rex Harrison, the doctor, between them, didn't tell her. Right? They kept it from her. She believed she had some sort of iron deficiency. Mm. She knew she was ill, but yeah. she didn't know how ill she was. And basically she got sicker and sicker, and Rex Harrison gave up acting and cared for her until the day she died. And she died literally four or five years after this, 1959. There is six or yeah, seven. Yeah, 1959. Quite young. 32 years old. Sad story, isn't it? Sad story. Yeah. But surprisingly, for someone that only acted for a very, very brief period of time, she appeared in quite a few famous British movies. Have you seen Genevieve? No. The one about the London to Brighton vintage car race with Kenneth Moore as well, funny enough. No, I think there might be one that's worth watching. It, it's coming up on the list then, mate, because it's, <laughs> it's got John Gregson, Kay Kendall, Kenneth Moore. You know the vintage car rally between yeah, London yeah, and Brighton London still Brighton, goes yeah. on now. Yeah, yeah well, this yeah. is like 1953 or something like that. And it was, um, I think it was one of the very first movies to be selected for the Royal Command performance, British okay. movie and that. Very good film, very good film. Kay Kendall, as I say, tragic, tragic story. Yeah, it is quite sad. Quite one, of my, one of my mum's favourites, isn't Strikingly beautiful woman in a very strange way, mm. and and looking at her, she looks older than her years because like obviously she's only about twenty eight, twenty nine. There, it's that thing about those fifties movies where women looked a lot older than they did. Well, everybody did. Yeah, I mean, Donald Sindon and Donald Hughes are supposed to be playing medical students. <laughs> yeah. yeah, twenty, yeah. twenty one years old, whatever they may be. They look older than my grandfather, some of them. No. It's that thing about those old boobies, British old boobies, that people just aged. Who's next on the list? Donald Houston. Donald Houston. Taffy, the Welsh guy, yes? Yep. All he seems to be interested in... Rugby. Rugby. So that's why he's not progressing anywhere with his... Typical stereotype. Because <laughs> he's called Taffy as well, isn't he? His brother was Glyn Houston, another famous actor. Passed away yesterday or the day before. Oh. But he was in his 90s. Oh. Look him up when you when you get home. Um, Glyn Houston, another famous British actor, yeah. It's his first appearance, funny enough, for Donald Houston on the show. 
Um, I'll tell you what you know him from. Go on. 633 Squadron. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And Carry On Jack is in as well. But oh, you'll know right. from 633. That's a very bad picture of him, actually. doesn't really do him justice. But... No. Longer hair, a bit like Boris Johnson. It does look a bit Boris Johnson-y, <laughs> <laughs> Like a young teenage Boris Johnson. Our next Prime Minister, depending when this is... Um, this is going aired. out very soon, mate. Don't worry, this is going out. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. He's not Prime Minister yet. In a couple of weeks, possibly, yeah. <laughs> now, this man should have been Prime Minister. I'd have James Robertson Justice. What a name. Prime Minister Justice. Not even his real name. I've got a real good story to tell you about him in a minute. Got to be one of my favourite British actors of all time. He's just like an early Brian Blessed, isn't he? He is. I think Brian Blessed probably based like his whole bi- career yeah, on... Yeah, he's like a byproduct of yeah. him, isn't he? <laughs> Almost like his son. <laughs> he made his career of playing these big, brash, loud, like Brian Blessed, characters. He's in a fabulous version of a film called Scott of the Antarctic with John Mills. He's brilliant without a beard. It's the only film I've ever seen him without a beard. It's quite deceiving, actually. Most people think he's Scottish. Right. Let me tell you the story. You're sitting comfortably. This is some. This guy's life would make a movie, right? He was the son of a geologist, and they lived in Lewisham. He was born in Lewisham, South London. He's a South London boy. Okay, you wouldn't think it with his accent, you know, and. He went to college, he studied science, became a geology student himself after his dad. It's believed he could speak up to 20 languages. Blimey. An intelligent man. Very clever man. Very clever man. And what happened, he studied in Germany, 1920s, late 20s, so between the wars, carried on studying geology, learning all these languages. When he returned, 1927, became a journalist. And one of his co-workers was Ian Fleming. Right. The guy okay. who wrote the James Bond movies. After a year, he emigrated to Canada, mm. became a lumberjack. Right. <laughs> he then also worked as an insurance salesman, taught at a boys' school, and became a gold miner. This man had, like, adventure upon adventure, yeah. right? The one that I can't get around is the journalist at the moment. He just didn't yeah. strike me as a journalist person. Well, no, he's very educated from what yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, we yeah, can yeah. work out, yeah? It's the one that gets me is the lumberjack and the gold miner. But he came back to Britain. He had no money at all. He was, you know, just blew it on on all these adventures, you know, travelling around. And he was so skint, he had to work his way back on a Dutch freighter washing dishes to pay for his passage, basically, you know, mm. to get back to the UK. He then became secretary of the British Ice Hockey Foundation, Ice Hockey Association, right? <laughs> and even played in goal for the British team or, or a national team or something like that. Uh, played in the European Championships. Oh, there you go. He was goalkeeper of the London Lions, right? He drove racing cars. Oh, right? wow. Early racing cars. Uh, Brighton Speed Trials, things like that. He, it gets better. This is still before the war, all of this, right? Blimey. He then became a policeman for the League of Nations in the territory of the Saar Basin, a region of Germany occupied and governed by France and Germany. After the Nazis came to power, he fought in the Spanish Civil War. He then joined the Royal Navy Volunteer Reserve, sustained an injury, thought to be shrapnel from a German shell, and was pensioned off. Oh, right. This is right up to the war. So after the war, he became an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Scottish thing, the Scottish connection. When he came back from the war, he sort of reinvented himself as a Scotsman. 
There is a there is a slight sort of Scottish history to him. You know, there is a Scottish connection, but he emphasised it. Right. He bigged it up. There's a, there's a famous Tony Hancock one called The Last of the McHancocks, and he's got this big, rough Scottish accent in it. You know, he really plays it. Um, so what he does, he gets rid of his two original middle names, and then he gets Robertson. As, you know, that's not his real name, James Robertson Justice. He gets just to make it more Scottish because he wears the Robertson tartan. Um, and he claims, right, this is it, he claimed that he was born in 1905 under a distillery on the Isle of Skye. <laughs> <laughs> Other sources list his birthplace as Wigtown in Dumfries, and there's a memorial to him there. Uh, and even, right, he even um, contested the seat for MP for the Labour Party in the 1950 general election up in Scotland as well. So the money he made, he... he then went to, let's have a look, with the money he made from Doctor in the House, mm. which was his first major, major movie. He, was, he started as a bit part actor leading up to this. But the money he made from this, he bought a cottage in the Scottish Highlands, um, and that was, he considered his home. Wow. And, and when you mention James Robinson Justice, people just think he is Scottish. Yeah, that's quite a story. And that story, it just amazed me when I was looking through at this, you know, lumberjack, gold miner. Journalist, ice hockey. I'm just surprised MP. he was allowed back into Britain after all the other sides he'd been on. <laughs> Spanish, the German. Oh, well, he was, he was out there. He wasn't actually fighting for them or whatever. But it's an incredible story, isn't it? And he still came back and and had this massive acting career. Yeah. When did he die? 1970s, wasn't it? Uh, 75. 75. I remember him still acting right up till then. Yeah. Pretty much. Blimey. Fascinating story, isn't it? He's, he's just one of those... You just wouldn't expect it. No, but also, we'd have expected him to have appeared on the Real Britannia long before this. We're mm-hmm. up to nearly 50 movies now, and this is his first appearance. Well, yeah, consider anything else he's done. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Because we, we know him from lots of other films. You're going to see him in the rest of the Doctor movies. That's a continuation. He will keep going. I think you should just go into the Hall of Fame for just for that. Just for being just, just for James Robinson Justice. Yeah, basically. what a man. Um, I'm going to skip through some of these on your list, Tony, because they're, they're not going to be appearing and, uh, and we're not going to sort of be really having a lot of conversation about it. If you can find Geoffrey Keane, right, you recognise Geoffrey Keane? No. No. But I should do. Okay. Geoffrey Keane has been on the show before, and one that means Stephen reviewed, which was Yield to the Night. He always played the minister in the James Bond movies. Oh, okay. Sort of after M died, you know, when Bernard Lear died, and there mm. was that sort of transition between, um, you know, the the new M coming in later, yeah, like yeah. Judy Dench or whatever. He was always in the Roger Moore ones. Oh, okay. Playing a minister, definitely an octopusy in those yeah. ones. Yeah. He will appear in hundreds more films as we go along. Next one down, Martin Boddy. Yeah, I recognise this man. We we need a round of applause for Martin Body. He has appeared on the show, apart from this movie, in A Man for All Seasons, Bedazzled, Seven Days to Noon, which you and I reviewed, Carry On Sergeant, Carry On Nurse. It's his sixth appearance. Wow. And it's a name that nobody knows. No, but a character that I recognise. But you recognise that yeah, face, yeah, don't I do you? Yeah, I recognise him, yeah. And it's, it's obviously because he's in all of those sorts of movies. Yeah. Oh, well, well done, Martin Body. Well done, Martin Body. Yeah, that's a round of applause for you, mate. Going straight down. Look at that. Who's next? Your favourite. Your favourite. Who played Rigor Mortis? Rigor Mortis. <laughs> <laughs> 
almost a typical Joan Sims type performance. If you sort of discount a lot of the carry-ons, she as she got older, she developed into this other sort of Joan Sims. Young Joan Sims was always this, very prim and yeah, proper. always wearing the glasses, wasn't it? Carry-on nurse, she was the clumsy one, wasn't she? Yeah. And, and with this one, isn't she like they're trying to seduce her, and she's just sitting there eating an apple? Yeah, she's like... <laughs> not interested whatsoever. Do you know, it's been quite nice to watch the transformation of Joan Sims over yeah. the years. Like from what she was here in mm. these sort of movies to when she starred in Only Falls, when yeah, she's talking right. about Freddie the Frogman. That's the one. What was the? Wasn't she in that Dennis Waterman sitcom? Was it On the Up or something? This is Wembley, isn't it? Like just the one. It's yeah. Wembley, was it? Was it On the Up? I don't know. I don't know the name of it. But I know she was the housekeeper, about, wasn't yeah. she? In the big house. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it was called. But yeah, she was like a regular in that, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And. As you say, I know she's one of your favourite actresses. I like Joan Sims. Yeah. How can you not like Joan Sims? I know. And it's, it's great, like you say, because I think there's two, two lots of, or three lots of Joan Sims. There's this early stage, there's the carry on Joan Sims, and then there's the, the older, you know, Joan Sims. Kenneth Williams is exactly the same. He starts off yeah. again very prim proper to the point. And the early carry ons, yeah. Very, very yeah, strict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then as he goes on, you see this really nice. Well, he, he just becomes. just becomes. Yeah, you know, that Kenneth Williams that everybody knows. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's, I like watching things like that. It's, it's this nice. is why we said we're going to do all these sort of movies in, in, in sequence. Yeah. Because it's nice to see the evolution. We've said this right from day one. We'll be bringing it up again. Oh, the next Carry On movie. She's bound to be in it. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be saying exactly the same thing. We'll do. We'll have the same conversation. Now, for Joan Sims, one, two, three, fourth appearance for her. Blimey, she's been she's been gone 18 years. Really? Yeah, 2001. 18 years. Even yeah. I remember when she left. That's what I was saying. Yeah, you was a kid. Yeah. I was a kid, yeah. but I still remember that. Interestingly, I mean, you, you'll probably see a picture in a minute. There was a character called May. One of the nurses, I think it was Nurse May, was played by a Scottish actress called Gudrun Ewer. Oh. Joan Sims appeared in the 1980s in an episode of Supergran. Right. Supergran was played by Gudrun Ewer. Oh, okay. So, a connection there. Harry Locke is your next one. Harry Locke. Playing Jessup. Yeah, and as you briefly mentioned earlier, he was the ambulance driver in um, the Carry On. Carry On Doctor, wasn't carry it? On was it Peter Gilmore? That's it. And Peter Gilmore's under the ambulance. He's there eating an apple or and, something. And Babs, yeah. Walks past. Another iconic. Oh, he's eating a pear. He's eating a pear because because <laughs> <laughs> they'll go four like they normally do in a karaoke. Yeah. And you got a lovely <laughs> pear. And he was off thinking the same myself. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Harry Locke. Now for Harry Locke. Let's have a little look on his CV. Passport to Pimlico, Yield to the Night, Heavens Above, Carry On Nurse 5, Doctor in the House. We said this, Stephen and I, quite often. It's not the massive names like the James Robertson Justice or the John Mills or the Lawrence Olivier's or whatever that are appearing in the Hall of Fame. It's these small yeah. character actors. We noticed this immediately after about three or four episodes. Doing the bit parts everywhere. Straight away. It was Cyril Chamberlain was the first one in, I yeah. think, wasn't he? We noticed yeah. there it was like, bloody hell, yeah. And guess who's coming up next? Cyril Chamberlain. Cyril Look at Chamberlain. that. No, I didn't plan that. 
Cyril Chamberlain. He must be in the Hall of Fame now. He is king of the Hall of Fame. Right. Um, Night to Remember? Night to Remember. Trouble in Store. Yep. Carry On Sergeant. Carry On Nurse. League of Gentlemen. Doctor in the House. Six. Yeah. Six appearances in less than 50 episodes. Blimey. For those that don't know who Cyril Chamberlain is, just Google the Google the picture of him and you'll go, oh yeah, it's him. Him and Sid James, awesome pair. Well, just appeared in everything yeah. together. Mm. I've, I've always thought that him and Sid James made an excellent duo. Yeah. They do play off each other in very the movies, don't Carry they? On Cabby's probably the best one I've seen. That's right, because he gets quite a bigger part, doesn't he, Cyril Chamberlain? Yeah, he's the sergeant, the radio operator. Yeah, yeah he gets a bigger role, doesn't he, in that one. Ernest Clark. Now, that's an old picture, an older picture of Ernest Clark. He had slick back black hair. He was one of the lecturers in this. And he... This is this is a really fascinating bit of trivia because I recognised him straight away. He was in the Danbusters. We met him in the Danbusters just as a bit part in the Danbusters. But throughout the seventies, there was a TV series based on the Doctor novels: mm. Doctor at Large, Doctor in the House, Doctor in Trouble, whatever they were. I can't even remember what they were all called. Even went to Australia in the late seventies, early eighties. They did not straight all the cast went over. Did an Australian version of it. There was no Sir Lancelot Spratt in the TV version. It was a character called, and I cannot remember, Geoffrey Loftus. So Geoffrey Loftus was like a Lancelot Spratt character. It was played by him, Ernest Clark, for years and years. So he appeared in the very first one, and then the link goes through to the TV series. If we get down to Shirley, who you got next? Shirley Eaton. Shirley Eaton. We know who Shirley Eaton is, yeah? We've heard of her. We've heard of her. Okay, we've seen her. She goes into the Hall of Fame today. Oh, okay. Carry on, Sergeant. Carry on, Nurse. Yep. She'll appear again in another Doctor movie, Doctor at Large, playing a nurse this time. Because she was the daughter, wasn't she? She was the promiscuous daughter that was after Yeah, Simon the sex Sparrow. pest. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, Shirley Eaton's most famous role. I think I may have mentioned this last time, but Goldfinger? Yes, the She's Golden Girl. The Golden Girl and Goldfinger. Yep, still with us. Shirley Eaton, still, still hanging on in there. Still looking good. No. Do you reckon? For her age. <laughs> she's born in 1937. I was going to say, she's in her 80s. Of she's looking She needs a bit of an eye, and other than that, I think she's all right. Sorry, Shirley Eaton, if you are listening, we, we do know you listen to us. We love her dearly. Absolutely love her dearly, yes. Okay. She's appeared again. Miss Marple. There is no stopping the Hickson. I didn't realise actually how much she was in. Let's have a little look. Are you ready for this? This, for this is the list of movies that the Hickson has appeared in the so Hickson. far on, on the Hall of Fame, on the Real Britannia. Seven Days to Noon, Doctor in the House, obviously. Carry On Nurse, Heavens Above, Theatre of Blood. It's five at the moment. Cyril Chamberlain's got the edge on her. Marianne Stone, we think, holds the record for the most appearances. Um, I'm going to have to show you a photo of her in a minute to, so you recognise who I'm on about because she, we think she's appeared in seven movies so far. Blimey. And it's just one of those ones that, oh, it's her. It's not a famous person. And I'm probably just like a lot of people. She's only, I only know her through Miss Marple. Joan Hickson, you do, yeah. Yeah. Marianne Stone, who's had seven appearances, two more than Joan Hickson. Mm. You'll recognise her. Carry on, Doctor. Yeah. The woman whose son has got the 
toilet poe stuck on his head. Yes, and she yeah the shouty the, the granddad. She's got granddad's poe on his head. Yeah, yeah. And she the walks com- out of the hospital. It's her foot stuck in it. That's it. Quite the common lady. That's Marianne Stone. She right. appears in everything. Um, but she's another bit part person, is she? Yes, yeah. You'll see, we're going to see her loads and loads of times. But the Hickson, I think, is going to give her a run for the money. <laughs> Honestly, me, me and Stephen talk about this quite often. It's surprising that, as we say, we, we know her as Miss Marple. Yeah. I was watching the other day, do you remember Clockwise with John Cleese? John Cleese, yeah. She's the old woman in the back of the car that's the really scatty one. No. Yeah, she's one of the two old women. Clockwise is something we need to do. Yes. Yeah, it was on Talking Pictures TV a couple of weeks ago. Clockwise, brilliant film. Brilliant film. I hadn't <laughs> seen it. I watched it to death when it first came out because I had a copy of it on VHS or whatever. I think John Cleese at his finest in Clockwise. Well, it's, it's, it's Basil Forty in a feature length production almost. It's very it? underrated, isn't it? But we're not talking about that now. <laughs> no, but Clockwise is a great film. But Joan Hickson is the scatty old woman in the back of the car. I didn't even realise. No, when I watched it, she's got this really frightful like wig thing on that she's wearing, and she's talking about this and that, and she's all off like that. It's, it's brilliant performance from her. Everything she does, <laughs> we've seen her in some early stuff where she plays. Battle axe old sort of landladies with a fag hanging out of her mouth. I have no trouble here in my house, dear. She said, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. But you always picture as that dear, sweet little old Miss Marple character. Yeah, she just wasn't born with a young face. No, though. but in this. Because she died when she was 92. Blimey, yeah, she was 92. 92 years, years old, 1998, she died. Go. 20 years ago, yeah, look at that. Mona Washball plays the midwife, she's the sister. That teaches them how to deliver babies in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. One appearance on the show so far, which was Yield to the Night, best known as, you probably haven't seen it because you're not a massive musicals fan, My Fair Lady, she's the housekeeper. Oh, right. Yeah, I've not seen that. And finally, the very last picture on your page there, mate. I've, I've just said how much I love James Robertson Justice. This man here, Richard Wattis should have appeared a thousand times on this show. And I'm trying to think where I've seen him, because he's he was, comical. He was in everything. He's got 150 acting credits on IMDb. Blimey. He finished his career sort of mid-70s before he died in the Eric Sykes series. He was Sykes' neighbour. That's where I remember him yeah. from. Yeah. You had Corky the Policeman would always Corky, come around. Yeah. And Richard Wattis was the neighbour. His, his hair was really thinning by then. Yeah. Um, Got old Hattie Jakes. Yeah. What a great series that was as yeah. well, you know. But we've skirted around him for the last two years of this show. Oh, yeah. Two, two years. Two, it's, yes, by the way, yes. It's, 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 we've been doing this two years now, so. I've been here about six months in all of that. No, you, <laughs> you've done a fair old amount of shows, mate. You, you've done a fair old few. We're coming up. This is, we're just going to veer off topic here, dear listener. We're coming up to our. We never 50th, do that. Oh yeah, as if we ever stick to a script. Um, script. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my mobile phone and some Swedish love juice. That's, that's all, all I've got with me. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I've got. Life's essential. Yeah. Um, we're coming up to our fiftieth episode very soon, and I'd like for the three of us to be together. Yeah, I'm sure to we can celebrate. Arrange that. Um, what we're thinking of doing, we'll keep it a surprise at the moment. Something a movie fifty years old, something from nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, so any ideas? We've got an idea because we looked through the list and there's not many. Ah. 
Don't write in. No, there is there is one that stands out. That don't tweet us. No. We don't care. So, no, we do care, but we don't care this time. Yeah, celebrate our 50th episode in my 50th birthday year by doing the, a, a movie the same age as me. Oh, 50-50. 50-50, exactly. So Richard Wattis, yeah, after two years of Real Britannia, finally makes an appearance. It's bugging me because I know I haven't seen him in something else. <coughs> and I know he's been in lots of things, but it's something that I should know. It's on the tip of my tongue. It was in everything. It was probably in some Norman Wisdoms, St. Trinian's movies. Yeah, he, he plays sometimes plays a part of a camp. A little bit, but he's always the guy behind a desk. Yeah. Always yeah. in an official orb with a bowler hat. So we skirted around pretty much all the cast there. Let's get back to the movie itself. We were talking earlier about you not considering it much of a comedy, but there are some bloody funny bits in this. There are. Some standout. You know, classic scenes. You know, we, we touched on what's the bleeding tide line. It's a classic in British comedy. It's, 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 it's laughable at the moment because it's not particularly funny. Yeah. But I still find myself laughing at it. I don't know. What, <laughs> I think it's just the guy's reaction on the bed as they're drawing all over him, you know. Well, keyhole surgery, you know. Cut him here, cut him there. <laughs> <laughs> and some of it is just... It's quite farcical, isn't it? The, the bit where he buys the skeleton. Yeah. And he's on the bus. And he just happens to be sitting next to a woman who's reading a headline about a, a serial killer where they've dug some bodies up and more bones found in the garden or something. Yeah, and there you go. There's your skeleton. Boom. The skeleton drops to the floor and the arm pops out. Yeah. The laughing gas. Which was in about three Carry On movies, wasn't yeah. it? The Laughing Gas. Yeah. <laughs> It's in a Pink Panther movie as well. It's a, it's a staple of British comedies, the old laughing gas routine. It's not like they've got a hat of gags, isn't it? Well, I'm just let's wondering. Let's just pick yeah, one out. Let's uh, we'll trip over the trolley. Yeah, because it's probably Ralph Thomas, isn't he? He's probably That's thinking, it. you know, well, it worked in that last movie I did. Perhaps we can squeeze it into this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Bump into Matron. That always works well. There's always a stern Matron. What was the bit in the film, wasn't it? They, they, the doctors, the student doctors, were not allowed to communicate with the nurses on the ward. Unless it's for medical reasons only. Medical or reasons only. So how did he get round it? I can't remember. He got the um, patient to call her over. It was all being done through the patient, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I think, was there a note written or something like that? There was something, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're communicating that way. How much did you like the movie? Like I said, I'd watch it again. Yeah. I think I'd probably need to watch it again to truly appreciate it. I think so now. Now you know some of the names and you think, mm. oh, that's him from so-and-so or that movie we've seen. Or Maybe I was expecting too much out of it. Think about this. This is four years before Carry On Sergeant. Yeah. Very early. Yeah. The, the, say, the biggest thing that surprised me was that you asked if it was a comedy. I just took that as given. Yeah. Interesting to hear what you youngsters think. Um, are you looking forward to the others in the sequence? Yeah, again, I want to see it evolve. Okay. Because it'll get riskier as it goes on. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Um, Not to the level that I'm accustomed to. No, but... and it's there's only a couple in the 60s, and by then I think it hits Leslie Phillips' era. Yeah. So it becomes a completely different type of movie. Yeah, and I think I really enjoy that bit. Because, like I say, I like Leslie Phillips. That's more your era, anyway. more your style, isn't it, I yeah. think, then? Yeah? Yeah. Um, if that's the case, if we're going to do Genevieve at some point, I'll warn you now that it is, again, of this sort of pace, mm. this sort of humour. 
but we've definitely got to review that one at some point, as you say. That's certainly worth looking at. Ratings. What star rating would you give it? We do five stars or ten? So we do five. Five. What would you give it a five? I think, as it stands, yep. I would probably give it a two and a half. Straight down the middle. Straight yeah. down the middle. If I watched it again, it might be a three, three and a half. You think you're going to enjoy this the more you see it? Yeah. Yeah. Is it because you weren't you weren't too sure what you were expecting? Yeah, I think so. I think I was expecting too much out of it, like I said. Yeah. Okay. So you now know that when you go into number two, just be a little bit prepared. That it's going to be a bit slow of a slower burn sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Because of some of the people that are in it, I think that's why I was expecting more of a a carry on. Yeah. I think that's probably there's some big names, some big British names yeah. in this. Yeah. Um, and also you get to know the characters as the series progresses mm. and you start thinking oh when's Lancelot Spratt coming along well, you know because he's always good for a laugh you know no, I'm glad you liked it I mean for me it's a four all the way through you know mm. bordering on a five because it's one that I've grown up with yeah I've read the books I've loved the books I've loved the films Dirk Bogard I think is a fantastic actor all of them Kenneth Moore all of them mm. Um, you've got the sad element of the Kay Kendall being included in here. You've got Richard Weiss at last. You know, it's, it's a great little little snapshot of 1954. Yeah. Of where we were. It was, you know, top three in the box office, pretty sure, for this. Massive, massive movie at the time. All right, mate, we'll take a quick break and we're going to be back with what we're watching next time. Yes, let's. <laughs> Okay, Tony, what we're watching next time, hopefully it's not going to be such a long gap in between your visits, my friend. No. Um, what we're going to go for next time is Dunkirk, the 1958 version. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yes. Not, not the latest one, but we'll discuss that later. Yeah, as much as I sort of like the Christopher Nolan one, um, I like this version. Mm. Seen it a couple of times. You've seen, you've only seen the newer version, haven't you? you haven't, I have. You weren't impressed. No. Second watch for me was better. When I watched it the first time, I was really disappointed. Mm. When you watch it the second time, you know how those timelines jump about. Yeah, I didn't get that. Exactly. Yeah, the didn't first get time that. I didn't get it till about halfway through. I thought, oh, shit, you know, it's, it's bouncing all over the place here. Watched it the second time, knowing it made a lot more sense. This one, 1958. Just looking on IMDb, the director, Leslie Norman. Do you know who Leslie Norman is? No. Barry Norman's dad. Right. Okay. Do you know who Barry Norman is? <laughs> He's done a TV show. I forgot you were so young. TV show. He was the film critic. He used to do film on BBC One. Yeah. The biggest film critic we had for about 20 odd years, 30 years. Uh, it's his dad. And, of course, starring John Mills. Dickie Attenborough. Bernard Lee's in it. Look at this cast list. There's another one. Oh, my God. You've done it again. Michael Bates is in it. I'll tell you Michael Bates is when you review the movie. You'll be shocked. Okay. And Lionel Jeffries. There's some, there's some stars. I like this movie. I think it's a better portrayal of what happened on the uh, that that particular few days. Yeah. I, I'm, I've not watched this, but I hope it's... Um... 
going to be a lot better than Dunkirk 2. Dunkirk 2, The Revenge. Dunkirk 2, <laughs> that had a singer in it. Oh, God. And yeah. a cray. Flying a plane, which seemed like forever. <laughs> yeah, it's just too clinical for You're me, like I'm this. afraid. Two and a quarter hours of, of pure cinema gold, mate. And it's at that time again I like. Because this is the perfect time in that sort of bracket for war films, because all the kit they used... We're still being used then. Oh, of course, because it's 1958. So everything's yeah. spot on. Yeah, yeah, it's all authentic for you. So. Oh, it just messed with my OCD. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Let's not leave it so long next time, on, mate. No, let's not. Let's get this sorted. I'd like to watch this one pretty quick and uh, get chatting about it because I want to watch it, to be honest. I want to watch it again, so... Thanks for turning up, mate. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me short notice because it was... Um, uh, a last-minute thing. It was, it was, Frank. but we've been planning this for a few weeks, so... Scott Let's... is on red alert for me now. He, he, he to... awaits the text message <laughs> and then sets things up. It seems to be. Cheers for that, mate. I'll see you very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ta-da. Absolute shah. A positive shah. Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you. British hand up, sir.